0: From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We, we are the, the Forum, Forum for the fans, fans. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. Here we are the Forum for the Fans. The Bleed Blue Show. Nickabaca Avenue Fan Forum. Got two divisions to cover on this episode. Now we usually are an hour in, an hour out. Well, most of our episodes, pre and post games, but this one needs a little bit of attention because we neglected it on the previous episode two weeks ago when we got more into the Donovan Mitchell trade fiasco because we were a little bit off behind it. the eight ball because of timing, scheduling, things of that nature. But tonight, or whenever you listen to this episode we will discuss the Southeast-Southwest Division as full, as in-depth as possible. Uh, com is our website. Audio archive on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You can go to the archive episodes for the baseball, the hockey, the football on com and all those streaming platforms to get a taste of what the forum for the fans have been saying about your sports teams and the sports leagues you watch. So. Yeah, the Southeast Division on one half of this episode. Going to get to the Heat, get to the Hornets, to the Wizards, the Magic, to the Hawks, and then another part of this episode. You could fast forward it later on in this audio archive show. You could get to the Southwest with the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, and the three Texas teams: Spurs, Mavericks, Rockets, and how they're you know looking on paper as of right now, twenty two twenty three season. For the NBA, and we're going to start immediately right now. Uh, I'm going to start with the uh, the number one seed of the Eastern Conference last year, which would be the Miami Heat. The uh, we're going to get into the Southeast Division first and foremost with the uh, Miami Heat. Um, they had the uh, first round exit in the Eastern Conference Finals. They uh, had a very great, very good season last year. You know, of course, number one seed. Acquired Kyle Lowry in that trade with Toronto. And, you know, it's a solid roster. It's a grind-out roster. It's a, it's a big roster. You know, they're missing some pieces. You know, P.J. Tucker, who came over from Milwaukee last year, is no longer on the team. He's now with the Philadelphia 76ers, so he was a 3-and-D kind of forward, corner shooter. But they this is where their bread and butter is. Defense and not down threes is the Miami Heat, Right. So, what I know out of this roster, especially uh, uh, Victor Oladipo coming back last year or the end of last year into the playoffs, and I noticed also that rotations is really herky jerky by head coach Eric Spolstra with Duncan Robinson. Uh, if I don't if for whatever reason I do whatever's going on in, with Heat Nation, and I saw. People puzzled the, the move on social media, and writers like question the movie as I did. He uh, got a reduction of minutes, especially in that first-round series versus the Hawks. So I don't know what to expect as far as a night-in, night-out, week-in, week-out rotation with Eric Spoelstra's Miami Heat for the 2022-23 season. Now, I think you're going to see a little bit more play out of or more minutes, of course, out of a healthy Victor Oladipo, right? I mean, he didn't, he pretty much missed the majority of the season last year. But uh, I, I expect, uh, I, for the most part, Max Struz, who's a three-point specialist, you could say, as long as, uh, who probably plays a little bit better defense, is a little longer than Duncan Robinson, right? Uh, Tyler Hero, who's excellent coming off the bench. He's the, uh candidate probably for the next several years for six men of the year. And they're going to try to preserve Kyle Lowry. I think that's kind of where he is at right now at this point in his career is um, give Gabe Vincent, the reserve point guard more minutes to eat up or preserve a Kyle Lowry through an 82 game regular season because this team runs through Jimmy Butler. This team runs through Bam Adebayo, and I honestly believe behind that is Tyler Hero. And now this is where Victor Oladipo is probably more, an a bonus to whatever he could get you could get out of him. The, uh, the injuries he's been fighting in Miami to get more minutes, and probably going to take minutes from Duncan Robinson. But uh, they have a good. Defensive team is lost a little bit with PJ Tucker because PJ Tucker is one of those guys, right? Especially as high as rank, high um, seed as they were, you would throw him on a Kevin Durant, even though, you know, Kevin Durant is going to still get his no matter who plays him. But the point is PJ Tucker is one of those guys in the NBA. It's not a lot of them in today's NBA, but he's one of those guys that uh, you throw him on the opposing best offensive scorer because it gives your offensive player on your team more energy, more time to do what you got to do offensively. So making Kevin Durant work, making Jason Tatum work, try to find a way to be in front of Giannis Antetokounmpo, that's what, kind of what the role, what P.J. Tucker was last year. And it's part of the reason he's a winner, championship player from the Bucks. But they lost that, and now who's going to – now everybody's got to pick up the slack for the most part. You know, Jimmy Butler is an excellent defensive player his entire career in the NBA, right? Uh, And you look at a guy like Caleb Martin, who's not necessarily a P.J. Tucker as far as defending guys, defending the best guys on your team and and knocking down corner threes. That's just not his game or his twin brother in Charlotte and get to Charlotte when we get to him. But – the point is, with the Miami Heat, you've got to preserve Kyle Lowry. you got to, you know, the Gabe Vincent, um, the project, you could call it, I mean, he played well. Like, Gabe Vincent is not a guy who's going to wow you every night. He's not a guy that's going to um, explode for, like, you know, 30, 35, 40 points a night. But he's a guy who's capable to knock down. Wide open threes. This is a very capable, very good shooter. I honestly, he's probably a better shooter than Kyle Lowry. I gotta look at the stats, but going off what I saw last year, Gabe Vincent will probably take a lot of regular season load off of Kyle Lowry's shoulders. To to you know, Kyle Lowry's been beat up and banged up all those years in Toronto and and, and in his past year. Uh, we'll, we will see now. Kyle Hero, he's an also an X factor to me, or probably more so Victor Oladipo, but Kyle Hero who played very well the last couple of seasons coming off the bench. I think he found his role. He found his niche. He probably will close games for the Heat because he's a capable scorer. He can get by guys, get knocked down to three. Oladipo is is that kind of player, too. Not necessarily a a better three-point shooter than Tyler Hero, but an explosive, historically explosive two-guard. And we will see how... He, you know, comes off, of, you know, off the bench. Or he might even be starting. Because it's not guaranteed that Max Strus is starting. I Because that, that, that's the weird thing about Spolster. He does things like that. Kind of throws you off. You don't know if it's going to be Victor Oladipo starting. Or is Max Strus is starting. You know, somebody is going to be losing their minutes in that part of that rotation at the two guard. And then, of course, you know, Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler. He's the lead dog on this team. I mean, he's one of these guys that's really – you know, he's—I would call it weird—but he'll get you 45 points in one game and come back the next game and give you like six. <laughs> that's just Jimmy Butler. He's not a night-in-the-night-out scorer, but when you need a big game out of the team, or the, you know, you need somebody to step up, that's Jimmy Butler. He'll get you a sneaky 45 points, 40 points in a big game. He's capable of doing it. He just—he do, doesn't do it every night. Bam Adebayo is an All-Star level. You know, undersized center in his league, he he plays well versus inferior opponents, but Bam Adebayo, when up against league competition, other All-Star centers, he struggles, and sometimes that could be a hindrance. This is an issue when you run into the Boston Celtics of last year. Uh, not to say that they had elite All-Star level centers. But they gave they have centers that is going to make you work. You're Robert Williams defensively. You have your Al Horfords who can stretch the basketball or stretch you on, on that you know as a stretch five and knock down three. That's where Bam Adebayo is in Achilles' heel. Um, he has an adequate uh, backup as in Dwayne Dedmon behind him. So you have a lot of uh, this is a capable team to get to the Eastern Conference Finals again. They will win the. Southeast Division. I don't see any of the other teams beating them and I'll get to the I'm run through all the other teams as well. They have the most complete roster in the Southeast Division, but my question is for the Miami Heat. Their bounce back versus Boston. How will they make up for that? Because I think Boston was playing their best basketball. They were cooking, they were on fire, and how will they match up against Boston, who, in my opinion, I think is better this year on paper than they were last year? The Victor Oladipo stock. What are they going to get out of Victor Oladipo in a full season? Can Victor Oladipo play a full season? My other question as far as rotation is Duncan Robinson and his usage, because I really believe he's a very good role player. He makes. I mean, there's games where he can knock down six, seven, eight threes, and that's a weapon for you. And he's a consistent three-point shooter. They had that in Tyler Hero. They had that in Max Cruz. But to me, it's like, I don't know. From the outside looking in, is as if it's as if he's being underappreciated. I mean, I could use him on my Knicks, but he's not. Um, he's out of the rotation a lot in that playoffs. You know, in that starting with game number two of the first round, it just didn't make sense to me. They got through Atlanta, no problem. But when they got uh, up into the point versus the Boston Celtics, that's where it was a little too late, lost his rhythm, and such and such. So that is the Miami Heat. My question is on them, their rotation. I'm going to go right next to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, The Charlotte Hornets, um, listen, I don't know how much of an improvement that they have, based on last year, because a lot of these guys are back this year, okay? They, they still have the core of their roster, and plus a Gordon Haywood, which whatever that means, because Gordon Haywood, uh, ever since leaving Boston and coming to the Charlotte Hornets, uh, he, it seems like he's half, He's always out or injured. And they. I feel like this team has a log jam, especially between the two and the three position, you know, Kelly Oubre is probably a guy that's going to come off the bench behind Gordon Hayward, but Kelly Oubre to me is more of a dog defensively and in attack mode than Gordon Hayward. Where Gordon Hayward is kind of a more of a nice mid-range shooter. He's a guy that um, can catch off the of curls, but he's getting a little bit older and he's more injured. It doesn't feel like it's a Gordon Hayward team. It feels more so this is more of a LaMelo Balls team where he's more of the the uh, facilitator. He's more of the the point guard, the the maestro as far as getting everybody the ball. He's a little bit of a wizard with the rock. He's a guy that's going to find open guys he he makes above average excellent passes. He has great court vision and he's improved a little bit by a little bit from rookie year to year number two with his shooting. But to me, it's like this team to me, the Hornets is like it's an everybody by committee team. There's not a clear-cut number one guy you can go to. Uh, it's like more so put the ball in Lamelo's hand, LaMelo, Lamelo Ball's hands, and see where they can go and create shots for someone else on this team. Uh, Terry Rozier is a guy who could get hot, but he's not a night-in-night-out killer. That you know, a guy you go to in the late minute of the games. He's kind of more of a, he'll get his buckets in the flow, the ebb and flow of a game, but not that late in the game where Terry Rozier is taking the final shot, uh, you know, purposely giving the ball and he creates for himself. That's not Terry Rozier. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's an undersized tweener, uh, a point guard slash shooting guard. He's kind of like in that middle, kind of like uh, what you could say is an old school Vinnie Johnson. Uh, he could shoot up, he could, he could really light it up. But they don't have that guy, that dog, uh, that they could go to. And they're not as a complete team defensively like the Miami Heat. And this is where the Charlotte Hornets have issues. Now, if you want to go back to the Hornets and what happened to them in the play-in round last year, they got thoroughly embarrassed by the Atlanta Hawks, thoroughly embarrassed. And you would think, you know, after uh, firing head coach, uh, James Borrego and bringing back uh, Steve Steve Clifford, right? The second spin as another head coach, as a second head, uh, second time head coach in, in Charlotte. You remember, he was fired years ago when he was in Charlotte when you know, when he had those Kimball Walker teams. But this team hasn't really improved. Like, what are you banking on as far as what you have on this roster? I mean, you added Mark Williams to be your center behind Mason Plumley. Right? Mark Williams is a solid college basketball player, solid big man, right? But he's not a game changer. He's not a difference maker. He's not, you know, all-level center, NBA center, not as of right now. You know, just just an energy guy coming off the bench. But then you'll have guys like, you know, who are capable. I think James Booknight, uh, UConn Huskies, is a capable pro. I don't know why he's kind of out of his rotation or this James Borrega rotation of last year. Uh, we talked about uh, Caleb Martin on the Miami. He, his twin brother, uh, Cody, is still on the Hornets. He's a guy that's exactly like his brother as far as he's going to come off the bench off that first rotation, middle of the first quarter, you know, give minutes for Terry Rozier or P.J. Washington, whoever is in foul trouble, whatever comes first. And he's just going to defend probably your second best player, maybe your first best player on the opposing team. And he's not really an offensive threat, uh, as far as the fours or the threes or the fours. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot in there, you know. Gordon Hayward, uh, Kelly Oubre, P.J. Washington is like a he's like a three, an undersized four, like an undersized power four, but it's kind of like a tall small four. He's like what six seven, six eight or whatever, and he's playing the four. Uh, most of the time as, uh, as a pseudo-power forward. And Jalen Middance, who's actually a nice player. I like Jalen Middance. I think he's a capable guy. He showed a lot of score coming off that bench. But there's, you know, there's, to me, Mason Plumlee is not your go-to. He's a terrible free-throw shooter. Uh, he's not going to give you wild numbers as far as double-doubles every night. So maybe Mark Williams could get more minutes out of him and get, you know, cut into Mason Plumlee's minutes. But like I said, this team goes through lamella ball. Adding Mark Williams is a nice addition. It's so somewhat of an upgrade. Uh, I just like when I look at the Charlotte Hornets, I don't take into I don't take into account Gordon Haywood. I don't I don't because I don't know if he's going to even be available because of his injury history. That's why I'm not really sweating him per se as far as value, I mean, like, if he plays 50, if he plays 60 games next year, that's actually, to me, it will be a win for a Gordon Hayward. But where they're lacking, and this is where the hole is, and this is where they're, you know, I just think they gotta ask somebody at the trade deadline, before the trade deadline, is get an active four, a, a, a power four, maybe somewhat of a shooter, but a guy who can get you some rebounds, maybe defend a little bit, that's what they're really missing on that, that block. With that center, man. This this is a very small roster. This is a team that usually goes three guards with, with Lamella Ball, uh, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, or, or Kaylee Oubre, whoever. Then throwing PJ Washington and, and Plump and Mason Plumlee. Um This team will probably be in contention for another playing game, but I think what happened to them versus. The Hawks last year, they got destroyed in that game. It was embarrassing to watch. Which probably got their head coach fired. So the Charlotte Hornets, to me, um, probably I, I probably put them second or third in this division, though, because the other divisions got better teams, in, in, in particular the Atlantic. Um, I think the Hornets are a playing team. But they're going to have to earn their keep because the next team I'm gonna mention and the Washington Wizards definitely got better. Now when we <laughs> when we get to the Northwest, okay, when we get to the Northwest division, I'm gonna to have to really scratch my head, analyze and really big deep. What what was the Denver Nuggets thinking? Giving up Monte Morris and Will Barton. It has to be money. It has to, because when that trade happened at the end of June and what you know, just on the surface level Uh, you know, trading those two guys for Contavious, caldwell Pope, I'd be, caldwell Pope, nice role player, uh, played at the University of Georgia, NBA champion, part of that Lakers bubble team, but I would take Monte Morrison Will Barton over them. Absolutely. So it has to come down to money in my opinion. Maybe it was that big Jokic contract. Who knows? I got to dig more for that Northwest episode to give more of a complete thought on what uh, happened in that deal at the end of June, but this team is a little bit better though, um, not much better, but just a little bit better. You know, Ish Smith was traded in that in that deal with and Caldwell Pope to the uh, Nuggets, and uh, you get back Monte Morris and Will Barton. I think those guys are better than Caldwell Pope and Ish Smith. I think Ish Smith is an okay guard, a nice backup, but he was in the starting role in Washington, and you know. I think he would be a very good backup in a quality playoff team. I guess that's going to fit the bill in Denver, whatever they're going, their moves they're going to do out there. But as far as Washington's concerned, you know, say Bradley Beal got the Supermax contract because a lot of the talk was, was he going to get traded? But Washington decided to make him a lifetime wizard, invested in with all that money. Good for them because the team for years, even when John Wall was on his team, uh, Bradley Bill, in his, as a running mate, was just didn't have that ceiling. Like They couldn't get past that first round. it seems, every year, year in and year out. But uh, Monte Morris is a guard who was picked late in the draft by Denver, I think like 58, came up through the Denver's G League team and was a very effective guard for them, especially when times where Jamal Murray is recovering from the ACL injury, Uh, This good. This is a good look for him. He's going to be a starter along with Bradley Beal and Will Barton. That's a nice trio. Now I'm not saying it's a great trio, but it's definitely a nice trio to throw out there because they're offensively driven. Will Barton could create his own shot. Bradley Beal could create his own shot. Monte Morris could create his own shot. All three of these guys go to the free throw line, and that's a huge plus for this roster. And, and on top of that, uh, it's going to open up things for the four, uh, you know, the you know the Kyle Kuzma's. You know, Kyle Kuzma is a finesse. He's a tweener. He's another tweener like, like, the, like the Charlotte Hornet players. He's a guy who's probably more of a small four, but if you go with a small one, he's probably going to be a three slash four. Uh, probably get minutes, you know, you know some break time with veteran Taj Gibson. He was on the Knicks the last couple of years, a long time. Chicago Bull, USC Trojan, and the pride of Brooklyn, New York, Taj Gibson. Uh, uh, one of my personal favorite players is a workman, horseman, professional. He's going to add some character in the locker room for this team. You know, I mean, he never won an NBA championship, but he's been he put in a lot of years for in the NBA. Very respectable guy uh, in the locker room that could help this team compete for a, uh, a playoff contention, a play-in spot, a 9 or 10. Washington Wizards could. The Washington Wizards was on the Cups with this roster as long as guys don't get hurt. We already know with the uh, the question marks of Chris Stops, that shit ain't going nowhere. He's he's a guy that's uh, always injured, um, over uh, underachieved a lot um, because of his injuries, never quite fit well with New York, the Knicks fans in the upper management with the traded Dallas that never got taken. It never got taken off with him and Luka Doncic. So the, so, so when I look at the, Wiz, the Wizards, right, this is a huge game with Monte Morris and uh, Will Barton. A huge game. This is an upgrade. All right. Now, the question is, who's going to be Bradley Beal's Robin? Bradley Beal is Batman on his team. He's the the, the go-to number one, he's the alpha, late in game. He's the guy you want with the rock. So I mean, this is a legit question: Who is the Robin on this team? Is it Kyle Kuzma? Is it Will Barton? It to me, it comes down to it comes down to one of those two guys. I right? I don't look at Chris Sops Perzingis as this clear-cut number two, and I, I think a lot of basketball heads agree with that. So I think it's going to be a Robin. Uh, by uh, by committee situation. Maybe one night, if Will Barton has a hot hand, he'll be the Robin. If Kyle Kuzma has a hot hand, another night it might be Kyle Kuzma. So it's going to be a situation like that. Uh, I think. Uh, well, I think where the the Wizards' issue is maybe a physical defensive center, a backup to Kristaps Porzingis. Kristaps Porzingis is a stretch five. Um, i mean Kristaps Porzingis should be dominating, honestly i mean i mean if he had the the drive like maybe throwing a hook shot of his height it was 73 lanky frame just getting in that post and do ju- just do jump hooks he could have be stopped but he doesn't have that drive to, and not only that but just to stay healthy and the Wizards are going to be a playoff a play-in team not a playoff team but a play-in team and with the right matchup with guys, you know, coming from that Denver Nugget culture and Monte Morris and Will Barton, uh, it's it's quite possible that they could get a nine or a ten seed and, and go and roll the dice as far as trying to make the playoffs. So that is the Washington Wizards on that. Uh I don't think they're gonna finish above the Hornets, but when the Hornets play the Wizards or they play the Hawks, uh I think these are going to be some fun and regular season games to watch. Just, you know, i in on the side during the middle of an NBA week, in between football, of course, or hockey and baseball playoffs. So just, that's the Wizards, man, for you, man. I'm going to go to the Orlando Magic. And I think, first and foremost, and I'm not trying to shit on the Orlando Magic because they have years and years away to get back to playing competition uh they're going to be the last team the last place team in in this division. Um they made some little bit of strides last year because this is a very young team. This is a I mean there's no there are no veterans whatsoever. I mean maybe Gary Harris to an extent from Michigan State, but uh this is a team as young as hell. I mean it's probably the youngest team in the NBA. I got to look that up, right? So they had the first draft pick overall, uh, Paolo Banchero from Duke University. And the question, really, for me when it comes to the Orlando Magic, right out the gates, is he going to be the number one lead dog? And remember, I was just talking about Bradley Bill being the clear-cut number one out of, you know, for the for the Wizards. But is Banchero going to be that guy for the Magic in his rookie year? That I mean, I think that's a very a very fair question to ask because, let's see, I mean, who else could it be? Because to me, last year, it felt like it was Cole Anthony's team. To me, Cole Anthony has cojones. He has balls to uh, take a lot of shots. He was very fearless with the Rock. But he's an undersized point guard who kind of wants to play the two-guard. He wants to do both. He's a a tweener, another tweener, right? But Bonchero is a, a is a, a very good score at Duke. And this is part of what they need to get go in the right direction. They need a guy at the three to really put buckets, get buckets. And, you know, you saw a little bit of him in the summer league and, you know, saw, get a glimpse of what he was doing versus rookie and sophomore uh, colleagues and compadres. But I think uh, they have a long way to go. Um, you know, Markel Fultz former number one overall pick in this on, in the league. Uh, he probably is going to be on his way out in the next couple of years. But, you know, Cole Anthony, University of North Carolina. Uh I mean he, he showed you why you know, you know, he was injured at North Carolina, but you know, in his first year, he was fearless with the Rock. He took big shots. Um, but he needed help. And he's gonna get that help out of Ontario. right right. You've got the Wagner brothers. Uh, playing there. I mean, they played a lot of minutes last year, so you get a lot of a lot of experience through the Wagner brothers, Fronson and uh, Morris uh, Wagner, right? Uh, Jonathan Isaac's coming off an injury, uh, I think it was the knee, right, or the ACL, and he's going to provide some good quality minutes at the three. I uh, missed a lot, missed the entire last year, right? Um, and Jalen Suggs is another one, a guy I actually do like, you know, coming, you know, he was a guy who is a Multi-level athlete, uh, different sports in Texas. Went to Gonzaga. Had a hell of a rookie year or freshman year at Gonzaga, but injuries hit him up in that f- first year with the Magic. So you, you know, I'm pretty sure they're going to be looking to get him off to a right path or right steps uh, for the uh, next season. Um, I mean, just to be quite honest top to bottom, within this division, they're just not better than the Wizards. They're not better than the Hornets or the Heat or the Hawks. Um, now, Mo Obama is a guy I kind of like. To me, Mo, Mo Obama is kind of a, a defensive-minded center. It feels like he's trying to be part of that new NBA where big men are taking perimeter shots, and hes you can tell he's working on it. You can tell he's trying to be that. But I think deep down he, he it's just not him. And as far as perimeter shooting as a five. Um, Wendell Carter is a guy I do like. Uh seen him play in high school. I have seen him you know, you know, at Duke when he was with Marvin Bagley the third. Uh he's a young uh, you know, it felt it feels like He's behind a little bit behind the eight ball in the NBA where he we think he should be. Um, he's he's athletic. He's getting stronger. I mean, that's the thing. I I, it's hard to knock these cats, but it's the part of the league culture. You got to produce even at twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. You know, there's a reason why Chicago traded Wendell Carter to the uh, to the Bulls to get uh, Nikoli uh, Vucevic, right? Um, Wendell Carter doesn't have to play under that Chicago pressure of the media, those rabid sports fans in the Midwest. Wendell Carter can't, the Magic or Orlando is probably the best place for a lot of these players to thrive, where Orlando's not necessarily a major sports market with the media. It's a very laissez-faire town that's built around tourism. And uh, Markel Fultz You know, I think Cole Anthony's taking his minutes. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Gary Harris. I think they got to showcase him to an extent so they could deal and get something back for him. Because remember, Gary Harris was traded from Denver to Orlando. And. Is really about – or you could say the same thing about Terrence Ross because what role – he, is he comfortable being on a last-place team and do the, do the Orlando Magic feel that they could get some value out of him and trade him midseason to a team that's probably on the cusp that could use a guy that will come off the bench and shoot threes and probably defend a little bit on the perimeter, even though he's a little bit older, Terrence Ross, right? He could light it up. He could light it up. He's kind of like a poor man's J.R. Smith-ish type of player. Um there's a team in there's teams in the Eastern Conference that probably could use the services or even in the West. But this really comes down to Jalen Suggs and his development from year one to year two. Uh Cole Anthony needing help. Uh the Wagner brothers, they are what they are. They're gonna hustle, they're gonna grind, they're gonna they, they don't have the most athletic ability. Um but they they compete. But it comes down to Bonchero as far as being the lead dog on this team and how much Wendell Carter wants to dominate. And if Mo Bama could dominate defensively, and grab rebounds, block shots, and not shoot as many perimeter shots, then the, then we could talk about building something for the future, where the direction is going with this franchise. Um uh, you know, Jalen Suggs being a make or break and um Cole Anthony. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much the the the, the Orlando magic there. I will be surprised if they made it to the fourth place in the Southeastern Conference. I, I will be surprised with that. I really would. But at, the way I see it right now, I don't see them being the Hawks. I don't see seeing the Wizards or the Hornets. They're definitely not the Heat. Uh, they're interstate rivals. So that is the uh, Orlando Magic. Now let's get to the last team in the uh, Southeast, which would be the Atlanta Hawks. Now this was what was really surprising to me. Uh The Atlanta Hawks trading uh, for um, uh, DeJounte Murray. Uh, The the reason why I say that is throwing him in the backcourt with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. They're kind of the same player, right? Because Trey Young is a guy who's going to get you 28 points, nine assists. DeJounte Murray could get you 22 points and nine assists. So by default in a 48-minute NBA game, somebody's – assist numbers will go down. There's no way both of those guys can sustain that in the same rotation for 82 games. So what is up with the Atlanta Hawks? Because let's go back a couple of seasons when they beat my Knicks, our Knicks on the Knickerbocker Avenue Fan form in that first round and made it to the Eastern Conference Finals versus the Milwaukee Bucks. And then last year smoked the Charlotte Hornets, smoked them, right? Then they ran into that buzzsaw, that culture of the Miami Heat, and they bowed out in first round, right? So how do the Hawks get back to the Eastern Conference Finals? How do they surpass? What will they do? Well, first of all, <laughs> they need a lot more than what they currently have. Uh, I think this roster got a little bit worse, to be quite honest. Um, I thought, I think as in DeJounte Murray was – It's like adding, you're adding Coca-Cola. It's like you got Coca-Cola in your fridge, right? And then you go to the grocery store, shop, right? Stop and shop, shit like that. C-Town. And you buy a Pepsi. That's what Trey Young and DeJounte Murray are to me. They're, They're basically colas. They're the same cola. Similar colas. You got... This, you already got that in Trey Young. So trading for Dejounte Murray, what is the plan? Are you trying to reinvent the NBA? See, they needed a guy, a, another dog, a, a, like I said with the uh, Wizards, or you know they need a, a a Batman to Trey Young. Trey Young is a guy. See, this is the unique thing about him. He's going to get his free throw. He goes to the line. He's like top five in the NBA getting to the free throw line because he has, he's always in attack mode. Uh, he's quick. He draws fouls on the soft NBA. He's going to the line. He needs the rock in his hand. So you're going to play DeJounte Murray off ball and let his assist numbers go down? Like, Do you see DeJounte Murray as this two guard to the, to the number one Trey Young? I, I don't see that. I don't see this like make sense. Um now do you see DeJounte Murray as a guy that could step up and be a second leading scorer where this is where I think where the Hawks made it they're in a no win situation with John Collins. I mean this is kinda I think this is their rationale of making this work. So DeJounte Murray being a um I guess you could say a Batman to Trey Young, I mean, I guess on that scope, but they're missing things at the four. The missing things uh, per se uh, between the three and the four. Because DeAndre Hunter to me and John Collins are almost similar players. DeAndre Hunter is an excellent basketball player when healthy. He is. He's an excellent role player piece. He's a college basketball champion, University of of Virginia. But, you know, he's been injured. He's kind of been out of the rotation a lot. Then when he comes back late in the year and it's like trying to find his rhythm. Uh, but john Collins, that's the situation i think they found themselves in because they could have trade for him i don't think they didn't, they could have found a market that a team wanted him and they ended up paying him anyway so that's taking up some so not only your salary cap space but trying to make him a, a viable asset in a in, a, in a in an acquisition or trade i don't think um i don't think the hawks will i don't think they're going to find him better so they've they're stuck with him And what could you get out of him with this roster? You're going to make a a a John Collins a three or a four, um, or a three hybrid with a uh, DeAndre Hunter. Um, That's probably the best they're going to have to do offensively. uh, Outside of, you know, Clint Capella is a nice uh, a a nice center in the sense of he'll catch alley Use from Trey Young or Dejounte Murray. He, you know, as far as you know, the pick and rolls, and he'll give you some rebounds. He'll definitely block shots. So he's your, your defensive minded center for this roster. Did you added Frank Kaminsky? Uh, he's like a four slash five power four slash center. He had a he had a very good career at Wisconsin, and he, I think he last came over from. No, I think he, first he went to the Charlotte Hornets, and he ended up with the Phoenix Suns. Didn't really crack their lineup. I mean, you know, the Phoenix Suns have been rolling. They got they they found their their niche. Uh, you know, out west with um, DeAndre Ayton and at the time JaVale McGee and I think Frank Comiskey was just lost in the rotation. So he comes to the Hawks, probably could get some viable playing time. He's a smart basketball player. But um, the Hawks, to me, I just – I just – I don't – I don't see them – why see? But damn, they really improved. Where an- like Dejounte Murray is an all-star player of last year, but I think he did it because he was like pretty much the lone dog to shine on the Spurs. There was nobody really running with him; he could just do whatever he wanted. But now you throw him on a t- team with Trey Young, how is he going to adapt? Now the Holiday brothers are there. You know that Drews brothers, Aaron and uh, Justin. They beat. They leave Indiana. They come to the Hawks. They're 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 going to be good backup pieces to i mean this is a solid five-guard rotation i this i'll give the hawks this credit and, and there's not nothing necessarily they all you know do well or poor but trey young the holiday brothers aaron and justin Bogdan Bogdanovic, and dejounte murray i mean these are quality nba players so not in that nine out you're going to have to compete versus that point guard shooting guard rotation that is i that is one thing I could say for sure. But my question is, is when it comes down to when Trey Young is probably being double teamed, are you gonna? You gotta find a way to get the ball into Dejounte Murray's hands to create, and DeAndre Hunter or John Collins are they are going to have to make open shots. And I think this is where I remember Nate McMillan coming to Trey Young after he became the, the full time head coach to get his teammates involved. I think that's where a lot of that comes out to and not, This is not necessarily training Young's fault I think this is the construction of the Roster that They're going to have their issues their, their things going on Right here, man So where do I think they're going to finish in the division I think It's going to come down to Wow, the Hornets The Hawks And the Wizards, right I'm not sure if the Wizards Are there yet I think the Hawks... That's going to be some good games, though. If the Hawks were to play this year's Wizards team, that's going to be some good games. That is some good games now with the additions and the improvement with the Wizards roster. Charlotte didn't necessarily improve. I think they're banking on, okay, well, these guys are coming back more experience. I think the Hawks are... Pro- when healthy, the Hawks are better. Now, if the Hawks get injuries like they did last year, I think Charlotte could... um be better after 82 games. I know the Heat is number one. I know the Magic are the number five team in the division. Two, three, and four is really the question. That needs to be a poll question. May might have to put one out uh, before the NBA season. If I had to guess, based off what I see and know of these players on these rosters, I would put the Wizards four. You know what? I'm gonna put the Wizards three. I'm gonna put the Charlotte two. I'm gonna put the the Hawks four. And I don't feel comfortable saying that. There's a lot of moving pieces. It could go either way. At some point this should do the injuries. Who gets hot? I think Charlotte got embarrassed and I think they learned something. You add in a tougher head coach and Steve Clifford. So that is the Southeast division, man. I'm gonna bounce around to the Southwest. Uh let's see. Let me start with the tech, one of the Texas teams. Let's start with the Rockets. Uh, I'll start with them man, because we know they're in total rebuild mode, right? They're not going to finish last place in the in the Southwest. I think that's going to go to the Spurs, and I'll talk about the Spurs when I get to them. Maybe after the Rockets, right? Um, they drafted Jabari Smith out of Auburn. He's a lanky, long <laughs> Kevin Durant is small for, not necessarily the level of skill of a Kevin Durant but long linky for who can shoot the basketball. Maybe not necessarily ball handle. He doesn't have all that like a Kevin Durant. He has a piece of a handle, but not to the level of Kevin Durant. But he's being an, almost the uh, quote-unquote savior. But in the see, here's the thing where I looked at, at Jabari Smith versus uh, Paolo Bonchero for the Orlando Magic. I believe he's going to be the number two on this team behind Kevin Porter Jr., that's where I think it fits best for Jabari Smith. And that's the situation Bonchero is going to have with uh, the Magic. Smith could shoot. Now, you watch Auburn Tiger games. He could shoot the rock. He's a guy that um, uh, probably could create his own shot in the NBA. You don't have to worry about two, three zones as much. Uh, he's going to shoot over the top of cats. But Kevin Porter Jr. is a point guard little bit of a two, he's fearless. I expect, you you heard uh, the great dominant, Donato's EP on the show, rave about Kevin Porter Jr., I totally agree with him. He's the, he's the lead dog on this Houston Rockets team. They needed a guy on the wing, which is Jabari Smith, to add some scoring, and they're going to be a, I want to call them a sleeper team, but they're going to be a pest, more of a pest in, 20, in the 2022-23 season. Uh, Jalen Green I think was over his head last year His his athleticism uh, You know coming out of uh, You know the G Unite whatever they call that uh, To be a top pick You know he could just wait in the wings And be a number three option on his team And and I think that's kind of that's where he's going to fix So in this order at least for me The Rockets is Kevin Porter Jr. Jabari Smith Jalen Green In that order as far as Number one, number two, number three, options offensively. Um, that, at least, most teams don't even have that, that, uh, that order. But the problem is they, have, they need a lot more. They don't have a bench. Uh, Sangoon's a nice center. You heard the great coach Chris rave about him when he got drafted a couple of seasons ago. Uh, Sangoon's a nice center. He's got some nice moves. He's going to be a solid... Uh, center in this league, not necessarily all. He might make an all-star team. You never know. But as far as a young man, he's very nice. Justante is a uh, uh, Michael Cage, uh, low uh, offensive. You know, uh, level of gravity, low to the ground, soft paw, like a Michael Cage. Remember Michael Cage from the the nineties with the Seattle uh, Seattle Sonics? Uh, that's Justante. Uh, he's gonna, the guy's going to come off the bench and give Jabari, Porter, uh, Jabari Smith a rest. You already know Eric Gordon's on the team. I, I, to be quite honest with you, I still don't know why Eric Gordon's still on the Rockets. He, to me, he's almost in the same situation when I was talking about Terrence Ross with the Magic. To me, he's like a another piece to add to a championship-level team. Maybe he what? Maybe he wants to stay in Houston. Maybe he likes the uh, southern food down there in Houston, Texas, and the... Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it doesn't make sense why he's still there. Maybe he likes to city. I mean, it means, you know, bouncing around the NBA's and demanding trades is not for everybody. But uh, behind Kevin Porter, you know, veteran guard, a guy like, you know, Trey Burt, University of Michigan, and, of course, Ty Ty Washington coming out of Kentucky. Um, this is a fourth-place team in the Southwest. Uh, they're coming under Bickerstaff, the head coach, uh, I forgot his first name. You know, Bernie uh, Bernie son. Uh, they're gonna. It's gonna take them some years. They're gonna have to add more depth. They don't have enough defense. Which you know, you know, you try to say in, in today's NBA, you know, today they don't play a lot of defense anyway because you could barely touch these motherfuckers, right? But they they they're they're still the to add young pieces or a veteran. But the West is too deep. They're not going to make the play-in. Uh, they're just going to have to grow, and the Houston Rockets fans are just going to have to be patient. But at least they're not the San Antonio Spurs. Ooh. Listen, man, I mean, how, I mean, it depends how you want to look at this situation with the Spurs if you're a Spurs fan. I mean, this is a team that had a hell of a, I'm going to say, 30-year run since David Robinson in 90. Two ish, ninety three. I, I know he got the MVP in ninety four, right? And got oh, no, 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 no. It was ninety five. He got the MVP, and he got destroyed by on. Uh, but I mean, since the nineties, man, uh, since Greg Popovich has taken over this team in the late nineties, they never really they they've been in the playoffs every year. Tim Duncan was there, right? They had you know Hall of Famer Tony Parker, adding Manu Ginobili, and they had all these gritty and tough Spurs players. That you know, filled around that roster for 20 plus years. In the last couple of years, it's been rough on them because a lot of them are not used to losing because they've had that core for so long. And sometimes in, in sports, it just, it's just hard to get out of. It, it really is. And this is your <laughs> not only is the Spurs are your fifth place team in the uh, in the in the Southwest. Arguably, they're probably the worst team in the NBA. And you know, I was just talking about the Atlanta Hawks and Dejounte Murray being traded. So the Spurs decided not to play, you know pay him, trade him back, and get pieces for him, uh, trade pieces for him. But they got nothing in the West. They got no, they got nothing for nobody in this Western Conference, man. Um, they're gonna struggle, dude. Um. There's not a trade out there to get them better, I don't think. They have okay average NBA players starting as far as Trey Jones. Primo's a nice player. Josh Primo's a nice young guard. To me, he's more of a guy who comes off the bench where on a very good team. And Devin Vassell, Dougie Buckets, Dougie McDermott, you know, from the Indiana Pacers, former Nick. Uh, yeah. Kelvin Johnson. Um, nice player, but, uh, you know, when he came out of Kentucky, okay player. Uh, Zach Collins, who got traded from the tra- uh, the Portland Trail Blazers and Jacob Foto, but they don't got nothing else, man. I mean, this is not a good roster. I'm not even going to waste my time talking about them. And It's not the shit on them. It. It's just observation, man. They're the worst team in the Southwest, and – a debate could be had, they might be the worst team in the NBA in the twenty twenty two, twenty three season. So who that is I mean that's all I'm going to say about the Spurs man. Not even gonna dig deep on them, not even wanna drill into that. I'll go to let's see, who can we go to? The Pelicans is interesting. Oh, this is interesting. Who are the Pelicans? What are the the, the thing about the Pelicans? Okay. They showed you a lot of heart in that first round. Oh, okay, let's 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 take a step back a little bit. That playing game, they showed you a lot. And they had a, uh, the fans came out. The rep they got past to the they got through the playing game, and when they got to that first round versus Phoenix, they 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 worked. They they competed, uh, but they couldn't get past the Phoenix. Uh, you know, put a dent in that series versus the Phoenix Suns. And with them, the, we all know it's, it's not even an elephant in the room. It's the captain obvious shit with Zion Williamson and his weight, his injuries. So how do you analyze this roster when well, you don't even know where he stands with his weight? They gave him a contract and put weight stipulations into his contract. What the fuck is going on with the Pelicans and what to expect out of them? Let's okay, let's I'll do it like this with the, with the Pelicans. Let's look at them assuming Williamson is not there. This was a very fun team to watch. Uh, You added C.J. McCollum because you knew he wasn't going to get that payday in Portland. You traded him to the Pelicans uh, for uh, Josh Hart, right? Um, You know, Jose Alvarado is a nice story, and and they gave him a couple of those 10-day contracts. Nice little energy spark. He competes. He's fun to watch as a backup. Um, You know, Herbert Jones, the lefty, He's an athletic, uh, a guy who's going to defend. Now, you know, I would call him. I guess you could say he's offensively challenged, but he's he's an energy guy. Herbert Jones uh, at the three is an energy guy. Uh, assuming Williamson is not there, of course he's probably. I'll get to the other side of if he was there, but uh, you know, Valanciunas and Jackson Hayes are a nice four and five mix with that lineup. And the clear-cut dog in this whole thing and getting that big contract with is Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is a uh, an all-star level player. He should be an all-star this year. He's the lead dog on this team. He's the clear-cut number one. Uh, the clear-cut, the number two guy, honestly, could probably be C.J. McCollum, the veteran guard, uh, leader of the, um, what do they, what they call that shit? Uh, Players' associates. He's the, the the head of that shit. I think he's still head of that shit. He just took over from Chris Paul, right? He, he honestly, I would rather have the ball in his hands than Zion Williamson. Now, things could change, all right. Things could change as far as do you expect Zion Williamson to play sixty games? That should, that probably is a that's probably a betting line in Vegas right now. Zion Williamson over or under sixty games. I don't know, man. I, I I think he's right on that cusp of playing around 60 games. I think he probably would get hurt. He probably would miss five games here and three games here and four games there. I could see that with him. Um, they are expecting a lot of things out of him with the number one pick a few years ago. And they really wanted to team him up with Brandon Ingram. And I think this franchise took a step back a little bit without his services. I think this is what they were missing. Because when I look at the Pelicans' roster, it seems to fit. Okay? It seems to fit. You've got your clear-cut number one, Brandon Ingram. He's the lead dog. He can score anywhere on the court, create his own shot, all-star level player. We've got the savvy veteran C.J. McCollum who for years was the the number two guy behind Damian Lillard in uh, Portland, right? And then Zion Williamson, if you could get 60 games out of him, he's still a load to deal with. And developing the jump shot is, of course, number one on his uh, to-do list in the NBA before he retires or is forced out, whatever comes first. You cannot rely on athleticism at his weight, and that's going to hold him back because of physics, biology, i.e., look at his 2021-22 season. What I do like with the Pelicans, they got a big man who's serviceable, who can make a couple of jump hooks. He'll defend and rebound And Jonas Valanciunas, remember they traded him and Steven Adams. For each other, for the most part, Jackson Hayes is an energy guy who runs up the court. He defends. He rebounds. He he runs. He's athletic. Not athletic, but he hustles. This team fits. I expect the Pelicans to make the playoffs next year. I expect them to. Somebody has to make a playoffs when the Jazz depleted their roster. So the Pelicans, to me, is that next team in line to make the step to get beyond the playing game. I'm going to come back to them. When I cover the next two teams, who I think, who I think they're the better teams in the division. I don't think the Pelicans are better than the Mavericks. I don't think they're better than the Grizzlies. But it's going to be fun to watch when those three teams in particular play against each other. Let me get to the Mavericks. And this is another team, when I, when I look at probably more expectations than the Pelicans. The Mavericks, who got past the Utah and put a RIP to that regime, to that run, uh, we all know who is who, like who, it's Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. It's like, it's like a Motown a quintet, a lead singer and your backup singers. It's Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic and his backup singers. Now, what's different this year than what they had last year? No, this they actually, I think. I think they improved a little bit, right? We know Luka Doncic is the all-world NBA player, and his question has always been his weight and if it's going to hold him back and whatever, whatever. But we all know when he plays, he's walking triple-double, the step-back jumper, even though he shoots shoots that shit poorly. But it's still fun in the watch. But he has some guys that's going to help him, you know? Like, I think Tim Hardaway Jr., let's go to him first in, in the sense of he was injured a lot at the end of last year. And Tim Hardaway Jr. is a nice rotation. He's a nice uh, piece when you need more scoring as a, a fourth scorer on your team. And they have the extra scoring, to me, with Spencer Dinwiddie and Christian Wood. Now, Christian Wood, who left the Rockets, uh, coming over to the Mavericks, I think, you know, when they got him from Detroit, I... I think they were really over their head thinking that he was going to be the number one guy. That's not Christian Wood. Christian Wood, but he could be a number two or three guy. He could be a a Robin by committee. Like, remember I was saying that about the Washington Wizards earlier? Christian Wood could get his buckets when somebody else like Luka Doncic is the primary focus offensively. So Christian Wood is going to open up. He's going to get things opened up for him. But the problem is, well, I would say, yeah, I you could say it's a problem. The problem, I think, with the Mavis is almost like it's almost a gift and a curse because you put the ball in the hands of your Luka Doncic, but it 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 it, it lessens the value of a Spencer Dinwoody and a Christian Wood who need the ball in their hands to be effective, uh, in particular Spencer Dinwoody. Now, you remember, we saw some of these games in the playoffs where Luka Doncic was injured or was out, and Jalen Brunson and Spencer Goodwood went off. They was just feeding off each other, you know, back and forth, A and B, yin and yi yang. But Spencer Dinwiddie is a definite. I liked him a lot when he was playing for the Brooklyn Nets. He went to the Wizards on a big contract, got traded for Kristaps Porzingis. Luka Doncic. And, and, a, and, a, and a rotational by committee Robin with a Spencer Dinwiddie and Christian Wood can work. But what also makes this thing fit is they got spot up shooters. Or, 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 or let me back that up a little bit. Luka Doncic with a Christian Wood, a Spencer Wood is your B, your your rotational B Robin by committee players. But all, but you're also your your, your third option is going to be, or third or fourth option is your Tim Hardaway Jr. win healthy. Then on top of that, you've got your spot-up shooters. You've got your Dorian Finney-Smiths, your Maxie Klebers, your Reggie Bullocks. You've got guys who could knock down the three ball in today's NBA. And they don't need a ball in their hand. They just need the open looks that they're going to get because of the double teams with Den Woody, or with Doncic that's going to be rotational uh, to Den Woody or to Christian Wood. Is going to set up these corner threes by Dorian Finney-Smith. we on, on the wings or for Reggie Bullock and Maxi Cleave. You saw him knock down a lot of those threes versus Utah in the, in the playoffs. He, that, he has that in him. Um, so for those three in particular players, they're going to get open looks, and they're going to make the shots. There's going to be some nights, like a Reggie Bullock, he's going to be cold. But, but on average, I think they're going to knock down a lot of those threes. They're going to get those contributions. Um, so they added Javel McGee, totally opposite what Christoph Porzingis is, right? Javel McGee, we all know um, he's been a butt of jokes, you know, you know, with, you know, the Shaq Fu shit and stuff like that. But the guy defensively is still a monster. He's a linky. He's not. He's not going to get you your, you know, offense. His offense is not his game. But he's there to clean up and defend. And they needed that. They didn't have that before. He could get that. Um, but I think, the, honestly. For them to make a championship run, they got to add another four. Like, I mean, a lot of these teams are going to have the same issue. They're going to need a four that's physical on that block to rebound and defend. Maxi Kleber is not that. He's a stretch four. And they have a lot of guys that can shoot and create the shots. But when it comes to uh, defending down there, that's going to be a little bit tough. Because um, they're not necessarily a small lineup. But Because Lucas Doncic is 6'7". Bullock is, what, six. Uh, Hardaway is like six, 6'4 six, maybe Something like that They're not necessarily really a small team But there are undersized After Jamit McGee. Christian Wood Is not necessarily a guy who's going to defend on the block He's more of an offensive minded player They're just going to outscore people But can they outscore people When a lot of their roster is intact Through most of this regular season And into the playoffs That's what it remains to be seen with the Dallas Mavericks um nBA finals are bust I, I I think they need to go for a run they need to get to a point where they get past the golden states remember in the western conference finals they gotta uh they gotta um get over that hump and I think this is one of these teams they're gonna be in the market for another piece to get them over the top because I think after some of these series. Uh, that they played, um, they you know they, the same thing with Grizz, the Grizzlies. When I get to them, they they just they're they're missing something that they put them in that Western Conference Finals uh, talk. Uh, they got back. Remember, they got past Phoenix, beat them. I mean, great job by them. They got past um, Utah in that first round, Phoenix. And ran to Golden State. With well, Golden State, I mean, there's a tough stop with all that scoring. They got exposed. I think the Mavericks are an NBA Finals robust team. I really believe that. The Jazz are gone. They're not in the way. So you could count on them to at least get at least above another playoff spot for their, call, their, their calls. Because to me, the Mavericks and the, and the Nuggets are in the same boat. I I believe that. And and when when we get to the Nuggets in the the next couple of weeks, I'll I'll explain that. Now, the last team in the Southwest, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. Well, ain't this a fun team to watch? I mean, wow, the the crazy thing about this team, and you saw a lot of this when John Morant was not playing, like they played just as good – I'm not going to say better, but just as good when he was not in the lineup. They were above 500 when John Morant was not in the lineup. I mean, they're really pretty much running back the same guys. You saw last year the development and the improvement of a Desmond Bain, a guy I loved. You already heard me years ago rave about Desmond Bain. You heard me back his praises to, uh, for the Knicks to draft him. And obviously the Knicks do what they do and avoid Desmond Bain. He goes to Memphis. Dylan Brooks gets hurt and then Desmond Bain's career, uh, takes off. And he was a lead three-point shooter on this team. This guy could light it up. He's a low to the ground uh, undersized shooting guard. Can't, not a lot of athleticism, but he could shoot the rock. He has a, he has a weird, uh, release point, uh, form. But the shit goes in and it works. And it's, I would say it's perfect, but it works for this team in the sense of we all know everything goes through and through John Morant, and we see John Morant be the quote-unquote undeniable, undisputed alpha lead dog on this team, on this Memphis Grizzlies team, with guys just following his lead. He's the Pied Piper, and everybody else follows his lead, whether it's Brandon Clark, Zion Williams. Backup point guard Tyus Jones when he comes in and filling the minutes and De- Desmond Bain, uh, I mean, it's everything runs through John Morant, and and I think after they beat Minnesota in the first round, they got through them in six, right? Fun series to watch, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, it's like they run into the Golden State Warriors every year, no matter no matter if it was the COVID year, you know, in the bubble. Uh, the year before that, I mean, year after that, um, Golden State is always in their way. It's like, what do they have? See, the problem I think I see with them is when they when they run into Golden State, what are they going to do? They didn't add anything to this roster. I've that I've seen. They kind of know the rotation. I think they're kind of banking on like what I was saying about Charlotte. Pretty much a lot of their roster is back. Maybe added rookie from the draft or whatever, but you know, this is the same team, the same lineup, Dylan Brooks, Desmond, Benjammer, and then you're going to throw a three-guard lineup, Blandin Card. Uh, what's his name left the team? Ah, oh, shit, what's his name? Um, he used to play on uh, Anderson, uh, the Anderson kid. He's not no longer there. He was a nice piece coming off the bench, so they got to fill a, ro- a role for him. And Steven Adams is his sister, your, uh, your, your you know, your standard NBA center who's going to score you about 10, get you 10 rebounds, block one, one, one and a half blocks, and have Xavier Tillman backing him up. But I think, no, I, I don't think a lot of people saw the Grizzlies winning the division uh, last year. I think they win it again this year because they have, the, they have the legs, they have the energy. Hopefully, Dylan Brooks plays a lot more games in the regular season. Uh, and as long as, I mean, They've they proven that they could play without John Morin, and they do it again if he gets hurt. Um, they're, like, to me, in the same boat as the Dallas Mavericks. They're a, probably an NBA finals or bust. Maybe not win the NBA championship, but getting past a Golden State at one point. That is, like, their Achilles heel. That is their nemesis the last couple of years or last couple of seasons. They have got to find a way to get past Golden State. That is like a mental wall. I, everybody knows it. It's get out of the Southwest. Find a way halfway through the season to improve your roster to match up against Golden State. Maybe you need more shooting. See, the thing is, John Moran, is not a, he's not a lethal three-point shooter. He can shoot it a little bit. Has he worked it on a, on, a, on the offseason? I don't know that. You assume that he does, but that's not his game. His game is, of course, athleticism, get to the rim, uh, get to the free throw line, and he'll get you assists. He'll find the open man. He'll make the right basketball plays. But as far as out-shooting opponents like, like a Steph Curry or Jordan Poole or Klay Thompson, like, they don't have that, and that's – like that I mean, if they go up against that same Golden State team, and that Golden State team is 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 uh, motivated, I, I I don't see them beating Golden State again. I like you like they don't have anything to me that they improve that roster that that could beat that team, or even if they ran into a Phoenix, I don't know if they could beat Phoenix. I think Phoenix, when we get to them, are probably better than Golden State in the playoffs. So, but. But just looking at within the scope of the Southwest division, Grizzlies number one, Spurs number five, Rockets number four, and I'm gonna go Mavericks Pelicans. I'm not Ooh, I I really wanna go Pelicans Mavericks, but that's a hard sell, man. That's a hard sell. They are building something nice down there with the head coach. Um uh what's his name? Is it Willie Brown? Uh, you know the the guard, he used to you know the head coach down in Miami. Uh, uh, he used to play for the Miami Heat, but uh, he's the head coach for the uh, Pelicans. Now they're building something nice. I I I'm not. It's a little easier to order the Southwest than I did with the Southeast about a half hour ago. I'm gonna go Grizzlies, Mavericks, Pelicans, Rockets, Spurs in that order, one through five for the Southwest. Woo! We got through it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I know you hear me and like, hey, man, you know, you want to wrap this up? Yeah, I'm going to wrap this up, man. The NBA Southeast Southwest Division episode here on the Knickerbocker Avenue Fan Forum show here on the Bleed Blue Show, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, on your streaming devices. Uh, If you agree with me, leave a comment on the show, on the pages. If you disagree, leave a comment on the show, on the pages, but I think I'm in the ballpark on what's going to happen with these teams in these two divisions, man. I hope you enjoyed. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to knock out probably the Northwest and then after that the Pacific. But man, I mean that was uh, that was fun, man. You know that was fun. I I think uh, I looked at it as objectively as possible without my hate for some of these teams, but nonetheless. Those are my thoughts on the Southeast and the Southwest here on the Blue Doo Show. So, I'm going to ask you, ladies and gentlemen, please look. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, bleep blue, bleep blue, blee 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 blue, bleep blue